Colorado Representative Lauren Boebert is caught in a precarious situation when she is seen in public performing acts of indecency that could help to swing the House of Representatives over to the left. And Andy Stanley continues down the road of apostasy as North Point Church holds an LGBTQ conference. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Lauren Boebert, as well as what's going on with Andy Stanley and North Point Church. And when we dig into these things, it's really important that we understand a lot of times that these guys who seem like they have nothing in common with one another actually are, in fact, on the same team. But before we get into that, we would love for you to like this video as well as subscribe to the Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel. And if you're listening via podcast, you can leave a five-star review if you feel so led. And make sure to leave a comment. It just helps. All of these things just help us to get this message out more and more to people. So with all of that, as we were saying, Lauren Boebert was seen at a Colorado theater where she was seeing the musical Beetlejuice, apparently with a new boyfriend or at least a first date, as we'll get into later. And the reason why this is all people are all up in arms about this is the fact that not only was she saying that the whole thing was a lie and then the video came out, but it seems like she was doing some very hypocritical things, uh, considering where much of her stances, many of her stances have been specifically against the trans community and the fact that they are trying to get into schools. They are trying to do drag queen story hours and so forth and post themselves up among children and then you see Lauren Boebert there, and not that you can see in the video any children around her, but the fact that she's doing this out in public, and it seems very strange for a mother of four and now a grandmother of one who is not yet even legally divorced, and yet here she is performing these indecent acts and having one performed on her as well. And a lot of people, specifically on the left, have called out the rank hypocrisy that they see in her. I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is hypocrisy, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of it all, yeah. right? Lauren Boebert, we have a montage of some of the stuff she's been saying, because she's a staunch supporter of children. God forbid a child see the fake boobies of a drag queen. Apparently the fake boobies of a trash queen are okay. But you're a U.S. Congressman. I mean, these guys run on family values. Later in the show, we're going to have the South Dakota governor apparently hooking up with a Trump thing. They're both married, Trump with the porn stars and all that stuff. And now they're going to, the, to, to plays and like, like groping, their, groping her chest in the middle of everyone. I mean, they've just let go of any semblance of caring about what they used to claim were their values. Like they, they could, being conservative used to mean something and being, Pro-family values was like a core part of that. Now their leaders are openly mocking them, and then and unfortunately, a lot their their voters are going along with them. Like, oh yeah, we wanted family values. You gave us the exact opposite. Yay! And here's the problem: both the things she said against what's going on in schools and and so forth in the different states in this country 
Uh, there, there's, there's, that's a fact. That's wrong. Like what she's speaking out against, that's actually wrong. That does nothing to prove that now that is right because she herself is an indecent person. In fact, she was seen vaping in front of a pregnant woman who was very upset about it and taking pictures of herself. And honestly, because she couldn't keep her mouth shut is the reason that this even got out. And you can even see her as she leaves the theater flipping off the people there. This is not the actions of someone who is a proclaimed believer. But sadly enough, those who are on the side of those supporting the trans rights or whatever you want to call them, um, they themselves are calling this out as hypocritical, but they're not recognizing. Some of them are saying, like, look how trashy she is for doing this. And this was done in the dark. Yes, there were people there in public. This is done in the dark where there are so many of them advocating for this sort of behavior in front of children by men dressed up as women who have had surgery. I mean, there is just rank hypocrisy everywhere on both sides here. And just to point out one evil and not the other, uh, that's wicked as well. But when it comes to Lauren Bober, people are also not recognizing. Obviously, she says she's a Christian and many people have believed her. But this is what she gave at a message at a church concerning Jesus and AR-15s. On Twitter, a lot of the, the little Twitter trolls, they like to say, oh, Jesus didn't need an AR-15. How, how many AR-15s do you think Jesus would have had? Well, he didn't have enough to keep his government from killing him. So, You know, the last person that I remember specifically, at least written down in Scripture, who came to Jesus and rebuked him for wanting to die for the sins of the world and the fact that he was going to die was none other than Peter. And it's actually found in Matthew chapter 16. And one thing that takes place when Jesus is talking to Peter and the apostles is Jesus asks them, who do people say that I am? And, you know, Peter says, you know, many people say that maybe you're one of the prophets, maybe Jeremiah or Elijah or so forth. And then Jesus asks him, but who do you say that I am? And by the way, if you're sitting here, that is the most important question you will ever answer for all eternity. No matter what takes place, no matter who you vote for, the question of, who do you say that Jesus is individually? You need to answer that. Is he the son of God? Is he the risen king who died for our sins, according to scripture, was buried and rose again, according to the scripture, did this before many witnesses? If he is that, then you need to just call him as he is, which is Lord, and live for him. You can't just sit there and think that politics or whatever is going to get you somewhere Ultimately, all this is going to burn up and go away. We want to be with those the one who will live forever and has lived forever. And so what you don't want is to totally pitch your tent in one camp and think they're going to be able to ride me into eternity. That's not the way it goes. What you need to do is make sure you're in the Jesus camp and answer properly. Because in Matthew 16, Peter says to him, For thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus expresses to Peter that upon that confession, upon Jesus himself who is the rock, and upon that confession, the church would be built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. For until Jesus comes back, we will be proclaiming over and over again that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. And anywhere where that is proclaimed, that is where the church is, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. 
But right after that, in fact, in verse 23, because Jesus says right after he said that, that flesh and blood did not give you this answer, but my Father who is in heaven gave you that answer. So he received a message that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, straight from God the Father. And guess what? Right after that, in Matthew chapter 16, specifically in verse 23, you will see that the same Peter who said that, the same one that Jesus said was given him given a message straight from God the Father, is also called Satan. Why? Why is it? Because Peter wanted to be up in arms to stop Jesus from dying. If Lauren Boebert does not understand that Jesus had to die to pay for the sins of the world, remember, when Jesus was about to be taken, he was betrayed by Judas, about to be taken, and when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says specifically, If there was any other way, let this cup pass from me. What that meant was the cup of the wrath of God that he was going to drink at full strength was going to be poured out on the Messiah. And if there was any other way that someone could be saved, they could simply be saved that way. And he doesn't have to go through with it. But that was the only way by which man can be saved through the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so anyone stopping that from taking place is not of the Spirit of the Lord, is not getting that answer from our Father who is in heaven. They are getting that answer from Satan himself to put up arms and stop. And it was the same Peter who still, even after Jesus rebuked him for rebuking Jesus, by the way, even though that took place, guess what happened? He still cut off Malthus's ear, and Jesus still told him, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. Because, yes, we can be blind and short-sighted sometimes, and we need to make sure that every thought that we have is taken captive to the obedience of Christ. And sadly enough, when it comes to Lauren Boebert, it seems like the sin that is manifested in her life is a sin of adultery. And right now, we're talking about her stepping out of the bounds of marriage because yes legally she is still married but her husband actually has come out with a statement here's what he had to say Jason Bobert on his Facebook stated quote to the people of Colorado's 3rd district and across the nation I'm writing to address the deep concerns circulating watching the attacks against Lauren I feel the people should know the truth of our broken marriage and burden she has carried for far too long I want to start out by acknowledging that Lauren has always been an exceptional wife mother and now grandmother She has provided me with love, support, and honored me through every misstep. Her strengths were always used to cover my weaknesses. Throughout our 20 years together, she has been my rock, my confidant, and my best friend. Her unwavering commitment to our family has been truly admirable, and I'm devastated by the pain I have caused her. I take full responsibility for my actions, and I deeply regret the choices I made that led to the breakdown of our marriage. I was unfaithful to Lauren in so many ways. I should have always brought my best just as she did. My actions were selfish and thoughtless, and I failed to consider the consequences they would ultimately have on the person I hold dearest in my heart. This has been a devastating divorce that I hold all responsibility for. It upsets me that everyone believes she left me over fame or a new lifestyle. This is far from the truth. Then again, most of what's said about our family is untrue. Another battle we faced together for far too long. Much of this is on me because the problem starts at the root. I am the root. The hurt I caused Lauren was not only significant, but also something she carried within her, burying it deep inside, while continuing to love people and our country fearlessly with a smile each day. Now, there is a lot of sadness to be talked about in that statement. Not only it seems like he's admitting to stepping outside of the bounds of marriage, but also when you see the sort of things that Lauren is now doing 
publicly, yes. I mean, very publicly. Uh, not only her statements about Jesus, that's bad enough, and her husband should have been there to correct such statements, and that should never be said anywhere near a pulpit. But nonetheless, when you actually see this and read this and see the ramifications of sin, they're never just something that is centralized to one person. Uh, it is something that always festers out. And so when you see Lauren Boebert going out on these dates with these guys, and you're going to hear right now her talking about that, while a TMZ reporter comes up to her at the airport where she talks about, I guess, the misgivings and so forth. I know it's, you know, been a rough week. What has it been? Uh, you know, it's, um, it's always hard whenever um, there's gravity put on the voters. I'm here to provide levity and lift burdens off of people. So anytime that they're carrying mine, it's something that you know, I kind of feel deep inside. But Ultimately, all future date nights have been canceled, and um, I learned to check party affiliations uh, before you go on a date. Now, there are a couple things that should probably stick out to you. And yes, it is important for us when people profess to be a believer that we can articulate these things properly so that when people come to us and say, this is grotesque and heinous and hideous, how could this happen? This is supposed to be a believer. We can make it clear that these are not the actions of a blood-bought believer especially when she is saying, I learned to check party affiliations before you go on a date. Guys, if you're out on a date, first of all, she admits this is her first date, and they were getting uh, more intimate than one should be on a first date. And this is a sad thing because the guy that she went out with and the reason why she's mentioning it, apparently, uh, reportedly, is a business owner. And as a business owner has even held, guess what? Drag queen shows at his place of business. And then next thing you know, he is feeling up uh, the representative here from Colorado. And guys, this is the truth of the damages, and it is why God hates divorce, because these are the ramifications. Imagine the four children right now, the four boys in that family and what they're going through through all of this. It is heartbreaking. It is sad. It, it just breaks my heart to think of those four young boys, and sadly enough, her 18-year-old son also uh, is not married, but has a child with his girlfriend. And these are not the actions. Not I'm not saying that every single person that is in the body of Christ doesn't make mistakes and praise God that they didn't take an action against that child to cover it up for political gain, because that happens as well. Nonetheless, not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ will lead you. And I'm not saying every child is perfect that receives the gospel. God is a perfect parent, and yet Adam and Eve still sinned against him. But it is true there are ramifications of not actually leading your household, and there are sins that come into the household, especially if what the husband was saying was true, that he was stepping outside of the bounds of marriage. This is what happens. These are the ramifications of what the Bible describes, the reaping and the sowing. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. And sadly enough, a little leaven rises the whole loaf. It messes up a lot of people around you. And it is really sad. And speaking of sad, Andy Stanley, who we have talked about at length on this show, we've talked about him a number of times, but he is now going to be hosting an LGBTQ event and something we've talked about for a while, especially when he was talking about unhitching from the Old Testament. 
but is the fact that his trajectory seemingly over and over and over again is to a trajectory of affirming pretty much every liberal cause. In my experience, now this is just my experience, okay? I'm just gonna read what I wrote. If I could figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-law's house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place, I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. We don't talk about any other sin like that but for some reason, because the culture yeah. has permeated North Point right. Church there, That's a good point. this is what he's allowed. And now it's acquiesced to the culture. We just go, hey, you know what? They're saying, and guess what? We could fill up those doors. And I hope, I would hope and pray that's not his, his goal. But in all honesty, I have a tough time not seeing that as the main goal here. It's crazy when you think about it, because he has this either or fallacy of both extremes. You either are Westboro Baptist and you hate gay people, or you pretend the Bible doesn't say, don't be deceived, 1 Corinthians 6, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God, adulterers, drunkards, so forth. And you pretend that doesn't exist, and you pretend that they're going to heaven, you act like they're going to heaven, because it swells your congregation, because you don't cause ripples, because you're, you've got a, your pastor that has like 20,000 plus people at your church, and you want to be, you know, maybe popular in the media. Uh, I mean, how do some of these churches become mega churches? They don't preach against sin, obviously. So Paul said in the last days, they'll take leers telling people what just what they want to hear, and they'll get many followers, and that's exactly what he's doing. Now, this is something that's always bothered me, is this idea that we need to repent to those who are unrepentant over and over again. The church, we're so sorry. We're weird people. You're not weird at all for doing what the Bible describes as unnatural. We're the weird ones. That kind of stuff is so bothersome. And I want to tell you a little bit about the conference, because you can obviously see where he's at with these things. He just acquiesces to whatever the culture says. He rules uh, over his church, apparently sometimes telling them they can't even meet for pretty much a year. But he rules over his church basically with a pole. 
whatever is going on, he's a pollster. What what is the world saying? Because that's that's how we're going to satisfy their appetites here is whatever the world is saying. Oh, the world says we should shut down our church for a year. Yeah, we should shut it down. Oh, the world says we need to accept these sins. Oh, of course. And it's the church's fault. It's the church's problem. This idea of people just sitting there and basically whipping themselves as if like, if I just talk about how terrible the church is, everyone will accept me. It's a pathetic display. I'm just being honest with you. This is the church that according to Acts 20, 28, that God purchased the church with his own blood. And so when we look at a blood-bought believer, when we are looking across from them, we are coming together in unison. We are coming together, being reconciled to our Father together. I'm not sitting here to say sorry to the world. I'm not going to do it especially not for the sins of someone else. If somebody was a hypocrite, if somebody is involved in the Westboro Baptist, I'm not saying sorry for the church. I'm sorry, sorry for them because they're just as lost as the other ones. It's it's a heartbreaking thing to see this sort of nonsense. And I want to read what is going on there in Georgia. Quote, Stanley's North Point Community Church in Alpharet, Georgia, is hosting the Unconditional Conference, a two-day event, September 28th through 29th for parents of LGBTQ children and for ministry leaders looking to discover ways to support parents and LGBTQ children in their churches. You will be equipped, refreshed, and inspired as you hear from leading communicators on topics that speak to the heart, soul, and mind. We deeply desire this time will bring about healing and restoration. No matter what theological stance you hold, we invite you to listen, reflect, and learn as we approach the topic from a quieter middle space. Here are some of the people that actually have been invited to speak. David Gushy, a professor of Christian ethics at Mercer University who supports same-sex marriage and has argued for full LGBTQ inclusion within the church, saying Christianity has been historically wrong on the issue. Gushy will deliver a breakout session titled, quote, Wrestling with Theology, Pointing Towards Jesus. Justin Lee, the executive director of Nuance Ministries, and a, quote, Christian voice for LGBTQ affirmation. Brian Neitzel, a gay man who co-founded Renovus, an organization that helps LGBTQ individuals rediscover Jesus. And Greg and Lynn McDonald, the authors of Embracing the Journey, a Christian parent's blueprint to loving your LGBTQ child. And co-founders of the ministry Embracing the Journey. Their breakout session is entitled Embracing the Journey, Moving Through Fear to Surviving and Thriving. These are people trying and creeping in, hopefully not for you, but for so many, creeping in unaware and giving people thinking that because of the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, they can hand out licenses of immorality. And one of the things I want to bring out is what the scriptures teach. I mean, over and over again, we want to teach what the scriptures teach and ultimately what is going on there when it comes to not only Lauren Bober, but also with Andy Stanley, that they're on the same team. They are walking with the woman of folly spoken about in Proverbs. And when we look at it, we're actually going to see over and over again, these are a battle of worldviews, but sadly enough, they're actually on the same team. They may be battling it from a different perspective, but ultimately fornication, which she's engaging in, as well as her family members uh, and so forth, is on the same team as the LGBTQ movement. Any sort of embrace of this is not of wisdom. It's a folly. And they are both embracing the woman of folly. 
And I want to look at what the scriptures say concerning the woman of folly. It says this in Proverbs chapter 9, starting at verse 13. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And earlier in Proverbs, specifically in chapter 7, what we see is is Solomon warning his son about the woman folly and also not only warning about her, but warning about stepping out of the bounds of marriage. And actually he looks out and he sees this. And as he's looking out and sees, this is what he describes in chapter 7. For at the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice, and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing through the street near her corner. And he takes away to her house in the twilight in the evening, in the middle of the night and in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today, I have paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home, for he has gone on a long journey. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. So he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are her slain. Her house is the way of Sheol, descending into the chambers of death. And that long description there, warning of the adulterous woman there, is what precedes chapter 8, which showcases the woman of wisdom. And the entire book of wisdom, and ultimately our lives, is... A choice between the woman of folly versus the woman of wisdom. And the woman of wisdom is ultimately a personification of Yahweh himself. When we look at the woman of wisdom and what she provides for those who would seek her out diligently as one would find treasure and precious silver, as it says in Proverbs 2, verses 4 and 5. And that is what is before us today. And I found this really interesting. Tremper Longman, uh, one of the foremost scholars on the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, says this, quote, Woman wisdom is not simply a personification of God's wisdom, but actually represents Yahweh himself. But if that is true, what about the woman folly? Her house is also on the heights. Woman folly also represents deity. In her case, she stands for the false gods and goddesses that rival Yahweh for the affection of the Israelites. So many of the calling out and sirens and so forth. And you think about this, these naive ones, these immature ones that are there in the town square as we are, that maybe are open their phone to Instagram or, or TikTok or whatever it may be. They are sitting there as over and over again, woman folly is enticing. 
Woman Folly is calling them over and over and over again, but yet wisdom is shouting from the street tops. Not only that, but God has decided by his will and through his word has explained it, that he has put his conscience within us that, guess what, that we deep down know right from wrong. It tells us in the Word very clearly that the Holy Spirit would go out and convict the entire world of sin and righteousness and judgment. We need to know and recognize that God is calling us to something far greater than sexual sin, something far greater than groping inside of movie theaters on the first date. He is calling us to something far greater and greater than this intimacy, even within the marriage, is the intimacy between us and the Lord and understanding His Word and having true wisdom. The commentator, Derek Kinder, and I'll summarize him here, he said this between the woman wisdom and the woman folly. He said, the picture here is that there are two feasts set before us that we are always invited to. The doors are always open to the feast of wisdom and the feast of folly. And which one are you going to attend? And I ask you that question. Are you going to go alongside? And as I said, while Andy Stanley and Lauren Boebert may be telling you different ideas and so forth, both of them, by their actions and by their teachings, are, guess what? They are with woman folly. But yet we can go with the Lord, and we can go with his word and his wisdom and keep clear of all of these devices. And I want to encourage you, if you're a person of the word and know know God, then continue to seek out the woman wisdom. And if you are someone that does not know the Lord, then turn away from the woman folly. Turn away from all this nonsense. Maybe you're just somebody who's conservative or maybe you're a liberal. I don't know. And guess what? Either way, if you're not following Christ, you're with woman folly and you need to turn over to Christ right now. I encourage you right now, if you do not know Christ, turn to him. Place your trust in him. He died a horrible death publicly on a horrible cross. And then he rose again publicly. That wasn't horrible at all. He did this before many witnesses so that not only would you have an idea or a philosophy or something, but that you can know you have eternal life when you place your trust in him and you can know that it's been tetelestai. Your sins have been paid in full. And I want to tell you guys, I am coming out to Texas with Pastor Joe Schimmel and we're going to be out there on October 6th and 7th. You can go to blessedhopetexas.org and you can check all that stuff out. This is Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.